come, draw close, and feel the power of the herd stone. Your best location for Warhammer Fantasy Battle lore, hobby, and gameplay discussion. Well, hello. Welcome to the Herdstone. Thanks for joining us. This is an ambush, so uh, as soon as you turn around, you'll probably panic us right off the board. Uh, we are here today. I'm Ryan. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Kugelfang52 on the Discord. And who do we have with us tonight? I'm Kerry. I go by KMorris27 on the Discord. This is Brian. I go by Rule on the Discord. This is Evan. I go by Jurger on the Discord. How's the mics here? Oh boy. <laughs> it comes <laughs> in hot. <laughs> Straight from the hot tub. All right. So uh, we are we are having this ambush today. We just wanted to talk about some random stuff, uh, just enjoy each other's company, talk about some general Warhammer questions. We have some user questions from the Discord if you're ever interested. Uh, usually before we record an episode, I'll I'll pop up a thread on the Discord and you can ask questions uh, there. So feel free to join the Discord and, and have some fun there and then also get to ask questions whenever we're recording episodes. But uh, the topics that we're going to have is we're going to ask, we're going to answer those user questions and we're going to talk a little bit about um, getting into Warhammer and our general philosophies towards list building. Uh, and then if we have some time at the end of this episode, we'll, we'll play a game or two. Uh, so, well, Guys, what have y'all been up to? What's going? What's on your hobby table? What games have you played? What's going on? I've just signed up to a painting challenge starting in January, which means I have to finish what I'm working on at the moment, which is trying to paint all of my homebrew armies project fantasy Ethiopians before New Year. Which okay, so you're gonna time. you're gonna do that before you do. What was it that you uh, that you had for NXL's WA? Are you gonna like or the the little WA? Are you gonna turn those in as your what you're gonna plan to paint again? So <laughs> so no, uh, this is a different one. Um, <laughs> got this is one that's got its own server. Does a newsletter oh, nice. every so often. Um, Phil T, who's on the server, runs it. Uh, last time I did halflings, and it was the first sort of small army I'd actually managed to put paint on. So this this time I'm doing skull pass, so I'm doing dwarves and night goblins in parallel. But what I'm doing at the moment is attempting to finish my current project in order to be ready for the next one. And right. that's meant I've probably painted more models in the last two months than I have in the previous five years, just to be ready for this challenge. Good wow. job, Carrie. We're proud of you. That's yeah. awesome. Been doing a lot of uh, priming there with your paintbrushes. <laughs> yep. Well, that's awesome. Well, you need to throw some pictures up on the uh, on the Discord so we can see it. I do have to say, I recently primed a model with my paintbrush and it was because i was getting so frustrated <laughs> by <laughs> I was getting, yeah gasp Harry style. uh i was getting so frustrated with the rattle can i had like everything was coming out super glossy even though it was like the matte finish can of paint so i, I don't know what's going on with that but i got frustrated and just <laughs> threw some black on a on a on a miniature to get it primed 
Brian, what have you been working on? Well, um, I've got some goblins that I'd like to work on for October. Also, um, we have that game that we discussed during the uh, Scar Snake review of the goblins versus Skaven versus dwarfs. That I've got some goblins. They're the same goblins, but they're goblins that I want to have prepared for that because okay. I'd like to bring a full goblin list. I may have to bring a few orcs, but you know, mostly nice. goblins. Scar Snake had some orcs, so that's okay. yeah, yeah. He, he had some buds from the outside that just wanted to hit some stuff so yeah. i might bring some works and i've been unfortunately well depending on who you talk to paint painting 40k a little bit for oh, yeah. a uh, painting competition at my local shop because so the plan is that i'd like to try to place at the local shop for some kind of uh, store credit and then use that to leverage a new mangler squig and then i'll have two <laughs> Okay. If you're painting forty yes. K just to buy fantasy, I think that counts. That's okay. And then one more Mankler squig needed. Yeah. There you go. Oh, what about you, Evan? Um, I've been finishing up some of the more time stuff I'd been working oh, on. All right, we're gonna have to move on. Yeah. More time. Uh, we need to <laughs> talk about Warhammer Fantasy. We're move it's, on. it's fantasy adjacent. It's wait, uh, are you painting more time to get a Warhammer Fantasy model? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um no, but what I was going to say is I already <laughs> finished my uh, my Orion I was doing for the monthly challenge. Um, so I'm I'm going to try and there's a little couple touch up things I want to do on that, but uh, take some good photographs and post that up soon. So yeah, we're we're recording this in early October, and uh, we have a monthly contest, um, and October is monsters for Halloween. So uh, yeah, that Orion. Uh, model that you printed off looks great yeah, also before we move on fun. i wanted to mention that your sisters of sigmar have turned out really cool oh thanks man yeah i was actually painting those for a, a buddy of mine um i it, it's not clear to me whether they're gonna stay in the cabinet here or if he thinks i was painting for him to take them home um and i'm fine either way but it was never really discussed so we'll, we'll see how that goes <laughs> right and what about you, Mike? What have you been up to? It's my turn. Yay. I, uh, I haven't been on the podcast in a while. So I think since the last time I visited with everybody, I, I went up to Missouri and I played in that uh, one-day tournament uh, where our faithful editor, uh, Warm Lobster, was able to meet me. And so I, I got to meet a friend from the Discord and play a one-day tournament up in Missouri and kind of reconnoiter with some arkansas missouri folks about doing a gt uh in february so i'm really excited about that and uh it's kind of the shiloh slaughter if there's anybody out there listening who remembers that gt in fayetteville arkansas back in the day and with regards oh i took my dark elves up there and i, I got third and i lost to uh, our faithful editor warren lobster who was uh croak bombing me and i uh, killed a bunch of dark elves that way and then uh, with regards to hobby stuff, I have been painting orcs, though I haven't really been painting too much the last few weeks. Um, I think for uh, Orcstober, I'm going to try to force myself to paint a few orcs. Yes. I'd just like to point out uh, that Mike also got a game in against me, but that wasn't important enough. Only the tournament was what he was willing to talk about. So uh, he did get a game in. Actually, uh, we got a game in 
was it a couple weeks ago? And uh, my son actually has been really interested in learning to play. And so Mike was really kind and let my son and I play kind of together as my son was learning. Uh, and Mike played against us with his with his dark elves. And we took some Warriors of Chaos. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun. So my son, is, is he's really got like the charts down and kind of has started figuring out how the magic phase works and how you use dice to get out other people's dispel dice. Uh, and so what he's focused on learning is the, the movement phase. So he has a lot to learn there. Of course, that's uh, the most one of the most important phases in fantasy. So he's having fun learning that, and I'm having fun teaching him. He has settled on an army, but we'll talk about that a little bit more because that's one of our topics. We'll talk about how he got that army settled. And I've been working on my Tomb Kings. Uh, after NXL's Great Wall, I just continued painting them and painted up a a casket of souls and a necrolith colossus and i'm currently working on oh and a, a chariot with the tomb king on it and i'm currently working on the war sphinx so been trying to just finish that army and just have it completely done so that i've got you know 2500 points plus op options in core so that's what i've been doing uh and uh hopefully uh, mike and Brian and I will get in our uh, a game that we talked about in the Skarsnik episode, which will probably come out after this episode. Uh, but yeah, we do appreciate, Mike mentioned uh, the mittened crustacean or the warm lobster as he is on the Discord. Uh, we really appreciate Caleb editing these episodes. I think I've forgotten to say that the past couple. We really appreciate him editing um, these. So. Without any further ado, we will get to the first of our topics, which is just going to be general Warhammer questions, um, kind of going from getting into Warhammer and how you go about doing that. So I'm just going to open this up and, and we'll just ask this. Oh, wait, no, stop. I've got other stuff. We have leaked a leaked Pegasus. Have you seen it? Have you seen the leaked Pegasus? What's going on? What do y'all think? Pretty Yeah. Thumbs up. Okay. Curved wings. Oh yes. Uh, it does look like it could actually fly, uh, unlike the old Pegasus models, which have short little stubby wings. But it doesn't look like it could rank up or you know be next to anything in a unit. No. Right. Yeah. It's, it's got big old wings to stick out to the side. You gotta. You gotta do some very. Uh, <laughs> clever tactical basing there i think this is the the paladin pegasus that mike uses to go kill my doom divers <laughs> yeah. there you go yeah mike's sneaky paladin pegasus he's everywhere which uh, really works really works for me because i never got around to getting a pegasus hero because the the sort of old whiskey and wizards mike generation metal one is really expensive and just never got around to it so great old world's gonna probably make me pay through the nose for it but i'll go with that it is going to be slightly awkward uh when i get that model and you know field it next to uh, uh um king lewin on his hippogriff and it's going to be smaller than that new pegasus <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's a i, I will say the 
the stuff that's been coming out, the not the leaks, but the reveals, uh, I was always a, like, Bretonians were okay. They were something I thought were interesting, but, yeah, Bretonian army is looking really cool right now. Like, they just, you know, I don't know. I've liked the stuff that they've revealed for it. Maybe not the, the short torso BSB, but um, I don't know. I think I'd be excited to to start some Bretonians when the old world comes out. All I'll say about that is that it wouldn't be the first time that GW has taken a really unflattering photo of a model. That's very true. That's true. Yeah. Either from their paint job or like the way that they yeah, photographed it. Right. Uh, it's well, especially exciting since this is all after we've done our Bretonian army book review and read through all the lore and stuff like that. It's it's really cool to see these new models come out for Bretonia yeah. like this. Right. It's been like 20 years since we got a Bretonian model. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, You can hear the angst in the Bretonian voice. As, uh, yeah, so we do know that, is it is it one week from now or two weeks? We, I think it's one week. There's going to be reveals. Is that right? Plural? I think there's going to be plural reveals. Well, they said it was big. Or bigger. I don't know. Depends on how negative you are. Or positive. <laughs> what do y'all think? I, I, okay, we have to talk about this because I don't really know what people are talking about. <laughs> the reveal could be... Yeah. The reveal could be that they've thought about it and... Yes, they're okay with us calling the launch box a starter box. <laughs> That's all they've come up with, terminology. <laughs> Is that like a tree beard, you are hobbits, not orcs type of thing? <laughs> they took their time, but they figured it out. <laughs> but, okay, so I guess I was asking, they've been doing like articles every week for the 40 year, is that what it is? And people are saying that the 40th one is going to be some big reveal or are you guys talking about something else i think it's warhammer fest that's coming up and there was specific placement there's a whole lot of um, conspiracy theories around this so the placement of the old world logo is in the bottom left instead of the bottom right so maybe that means <laughs> it has a higher amount of reveals it has a better slot for i don't know it's a better time slot or something and then since they specifically said something about the reveals specifically i think you actually edited the image to say something about kislev and cathay <laughs> oh yeah i'm remembering <laughs> to, that now to uh to, yeah, you're making jokes on it acting yeah. like you don't know what was going on no no i i honestly was confused what we were talking about but now i'm remembering that they did mention this in that warcom article so yeah and you got a few people too that was kind of entertaining on the discord but <laughs> i i gotta have my fun it's that was mean that was mean i appreciated <laughs> it but it was it was quite cruel uh yeah it's always interesting to see like how invested uh different people are that that stuff like that really gets them or uh yeah so so yeah, it's you know they said something about it being a little bit bigger. Um, I know all of y'all picked twenty twenty four. If it's going to be twenty twenty three, I think this better be uh, them saying it's coming out in a month. <laughs> so that's my only it's my only hope. Um, uh, all right. So y'all y'all don't have any like big 
hopes for these or, or thoughts that, you know, what this might be? I'm kind I mean, of going into yeah. it with no expectations and just going to try to be happy with they with what they show us. I kind of did that whenever we got the new damsel and I enjoyed seeing the damsel model, uh, but I completely understand people's disappointment for there not being more uh, at the time. And I'm hoping it's more on this next one, but I'm going into it feeling the exact same way where I, I just don't expect it personally to come out in 2024. So I'm expecting maybe some details on a box or something like that without a firm release date. But who knows? I could be pleasantly surprised. I, uh, yeah, honestly, I'd like to see some more uh, kind of like lore information about like Maps? the story that they're trying to tell. Well, maps would be great, obviously. Um, but I don't know, just like some story framing would be kind of cool. Yeah, like no, letting us know maybe what the first campaign is going to be centered around. Right, like who are our main, you know, protagonists and antagonists, right. something like that would be kind of cool. I do have a qualm with that, with or a bone to pick about their selected armies for being Bretonian Tomb Kings, because they made a, a big deal in the initial lore that this was Lewin Orc Slayer. They're doing all this stuff with the orcs. You know, the paladin is released with his sword and an orc head, and he, they're going to be fighting Tomb Kings. <laughs> Some incongruity there for you? or You or just what? want everything to revolve around orcs. Maybe, probably. <laughs> Yeah, he's just offended by the beheaded orc. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get some revenge at some point. Don't worry, I'll still play your orcs, Brian. They'll always be able to get games. In. But you notice how Mike has just been completely silent through this entire section. He's like, I don't want to have any <laughs> old world speculation at all. No expectations, from Mike. You have any thoughts, Mike? Oh no, I don't. I don't have any thoughts about what's going to happen next week or anything like that. I. I don't really worry about it. So. But the yeah. resin paladins sort of forge world line only, which means that in plastic as the launch box, you can you get uh, Brett Bret Bretonians versus Tomb Kings. You're going to have to pay forge world prices for your orc fighting guys. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Yeah, I think some of us have already been playing paying. Forge World prices as prices have gone up and up and up on the old old kits. So you know, we may be we may be used to it. All right. Well, uh, so that's what's you know that's what's coming up in a in a week or so. Um, so we talked about Warhammer Day reveals. Now we'll talk about the general Warhammer stuff and uh, and maybe Mike, you can start us off. Uh, how can someone know that Warhammer Fantasy is the game for them you know there's a lot of there's a lot of games out there uh whether fantasy style games or sci-fi games you know whatever like you are famously someone who's like all i really want to play is is fantasy so how how does someone know that that's going to be a game that they're going to want to play and it's for them yeah i think uh at least for me when i was uh, a lad it all really started with really enjoying the concept of a fantasy world where elves, orcs, dwarves, uh, humans, and 
various races like this all competed against each other in this setting. And I started to read uh, army books and lore and I didn't, I had no concept of gameplay. I mean, I, I saw the the miniatures look cool. They were on square bases. That was, that was awesome. Uh, you know, I didn't know anything about the rules It all really started kind of with uh, being inspired by this fantasy world and wanting to interact with that by hobbying and uh, doing my own models and then uh, basically reading the rules and kind of fuddling my way through them with my brother and my friends in sixth grade, right? So at that time, we had no concept of really how to play the game or anything like that. So it's all just from like a childlike joy of really embracing uh, this type of uh, entertainment and this type of genre. And so if you really love the fantasy world and you start to read about it and you're like, this is awesome. I want to be a part of it. Uh, then I think that's kind of what's going to lead you to really wanting to play the game uh, as a young person, as an older person, maybe you would take a look at the system and determine if you wanted to play the game uh, that way. But that's not how it happened for me. So to take the older person's perspective, Nice setup there, Mike. <coughs> the, what, what you have to look at in terms of the system is what you're comparing it to. So Warhammer Fantasy Battles has a turn-based alternating system. You have your turn, then your opponent has their turn, and you swap over ad finitum for six turns. Most games that are out there at the moment don't follow that in the same rigid structure. There are ways of having one one side having two turns in a row or all turns are sort of merged together and you're rolling for priority in who gets to shuffle things around first but you're still going to be alternating within each phase right um, yeah there's there's a lot of games that are like that where they actually like a key component of the game is either the randomization of turn order or rolling for it or list building for it so yeah i, I agree warhammer fantasy is very different in that that that's not i mean it's built around it but that's but it is different than a lot of other games and so how do you know that you would like that well it gives you breathe it does give you some level of breathing space it does give you some level of planning several turns ahead because it's more like I suppose, I mean, when I sold it to my partner on our first date, it was, this is a bit like chess, but with far more variables. I take my turn guessing what you might be doing five turns ahead, and then we alternate, and maybe it plays out that way. Maybe I'm an idiot and I haven't seen something. I just like that, that your litmus test on, on a first date is, can I mention Warhammer Fantasy, and they'll go out with me on a second date. That's a strong bedroom. I had a two-bedroom two house, one bedroom of which was a Warhammer Fantasy gaming room. It's <laughs> going to come up at some point. I can't just pretend that room's out of bounds or is structurally unsound. So <laughs> Don't go in there. <laughs> let's, get, let's get this out of the way straight away. And as, as it is, my partner's one of my favorite people to play against when we have time. I think you know, that's a good call yeah. because having a forbidden bedroom that you can't go in <laughs> whenever you live alone is probably a huge red flag for some people. <laughs> you know, it's funny just talking about that briefly. Like, 
whenever like this hobby comes up in real life like if i'm meeting someone at a dinner party or something like that they ask like what are your hobbies and play you know i tell them i paint miniatures or, or play like war games people are always like really interested in it i've never uh-huh. had anyone like react negatively like like i'm some sort of weirdo or something it's kind of interesting that's internalized trauma from when you're like in middle school like it is def- you do not that is you will be made fun of in middle school for sure 1000 percent. yeah I do think it, you're right. As an adult, though, people are like, "Oh, that's interesting," and they're like, "Oh, that's a cool paint job." If they, you know, if you've got your armies where people can see them or something like that, but yeah, you don't get a lot of negativity. I don't think. Now back to the system. The other unique part to consider is most of the ranked up unit systems. So square, you know, square bases, square units, very complex movement phases, which this game does have they don't have the same level of granularity in terms of one model has its own attacks so you have things like matt like um, kings of war where a unit is this many big bases of troops and that block block has it has this many attacks and this many points of resilience and can take this much damage before it's likely to disappear but you don't have what you do in fantasy, where this is Johann Schmidt, halberdier number 37, and he's going to have a really good go at saving the world with his one attack. Right. You, you don't get those heroic stands of one guy. It's this base of miniatures or not this base of miniatures. And with Warhammer, it is that one guy. Or Yeah. 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 Do you think that adds to the, the narrative um, appeal of the game? Yes. It adds the narrative appeal, but it also means that when scaling is done properly, um, you can have the same level of sort of epic Hans Zimmer sound effects in the background in your head, playing with 20 guys who you just got out of a regiment box against another person's 20 guys that you can have with a full 2,500 point battle. Because... Johann Schmidt, the halberdier, doesn't actually get any better, but just the 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 context changes. So he can heroically kill a goblin champion this game when you're only at sort of 100 points aside. When you're up to 2,000 points aside, it's going to be a bit less important, but it's still, you know, if you sort of do the, the zoom in, it's still the same level of granularity. I'm going to use that phrase a a bit. I I think for me, I would say there are a couple things that are extremely important to me about Warhammer Fantasy. And when I was on my my journey of exploration of other games that I would say that they all missed. And it was that that granularity. It's why Warhammer Fantasy players list Hammer, right? Like I'm sure we've all done it where you're like at work or you're doing something and you're thinking about, making lists and it's because you can have that granularity where you're like oh if i add a shield to this character i'll i can take away a single saurus right and to me that's super important is how much you can customize unit sizes character models um, magic items and and all that 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 granularity as carrie says is to me 
one of the things that is most appealing about this game. But I also recognize it is something that to some people they find tedious. So I would say if you find that tedious, Warhammer Fantasy might not be the game for you. It might be. You might love the lore or whatever, but it might not be the game for you. Going back a little bit to what Mike said, I think the the appeal of the setting was the biggest thing when I was getting into it. Um, and I think it was because, you know, that was when I was growing up, that was when the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out. So fantasy worlds and, you know, stories were kind of like in the zeitgeist at that point. Right, um, right. And I don't I don't think at that point the the uh, Lord of the Rings strategy battle game had been out or was out yet. I don't think they had gotten there yet um, with that. Uh, so, you know, I go to the hobby store looking with that stuff in my mind and see all these boxes on the on the um, shelves. And it, it just kind of inspires your your uh, imagination at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I think they really kind of bottled lightning with the combination of lore and gameplay. I was kind of in the same position as Mike whenever... I was playing as a kid and not really knowing what was going on. We played, we were playing fifth edition and I'm sure we only got like 30% of the rules, but it was still about blast to play it. And the entire game we were, you know, combing through the rule book, uh, but also going through the army books and looking at pictures the entire time, looking at, you know, what we were doing as far as the, the artwork is concerned. So between the, the artwork, the aesthetic, the lore that, that goes along with all the models, and then just the models themselves. Uh, I think really, you know, everything came together with Warhammer Fantasy, at least for me. Uh, playing the more modern games of Age of Sigmar and 40k, I do have fun with them because I, I like tabletop games, but there's just something about fantasy and the way that it's played with uh, the focus on the movement phase and and such like that that feels more strategic and more rewarding while also being a little bit more punishing i don't know that just kind of appeals to me a little bit the the second thing for me would be the movement phase uh, i don't i feel like most other games or many other games don't have a movement phase that is in, as involved and i really appreciate the the way that you have to set things up multiple turns in advance. Um, you know, in most games, it's like movement matters for distance and cover, right? Like you get into cover or you're X distance away that's going to allow you to shoot, but not them, or you to charge, but not them, or whatever it is. Um, but fantasy, because of facings and stuff, is more intricate. And to me, that's another important component that like you either like or don't like. So, you know, if you like that very crunchy movement phase, then yeah, Warhammer Fantasy is going to be for you. But not everybody does. So yeah, kind of going back to uh, what Carrie said, you know, likening the game play, you go, I go, you know, to chess. Um, it's like chess, but every time you want to move a piece, you're rolling a die to see how many spaces it actually can move. So it has kind of <laughs> that uh, strategic sense to it, but also a little bit of randomness to keep right. it, it spicy. So, And I'd also say from watching my son get into it recently, um, he started getting into it because like 
he liked the list building aspect. Um, but then recently he's just wanted to read the, the lore books. And, and so we'll, we'll go for a run and on our run, he'll ask me all about the lore questions. So I think it still has that grab, you know, for, for kids, but also for adults, obviously we still love the lore stuff. So um, I do think that is a key component of it is just the detail that you can go into with the lore. There's going to be a lot, a large percentage of the population, at least when I was thinking about myself as a younger person, like I just had no experience at all with any wargaming ever. So like Warhammer was the only Warhammer Fantasy Battles was the only game I had played. And it's basically been the, I've played, I've tried other systems since then, but uh, when you're initially, you know, drawn to a war game, I mean, I just assumed Warhammer Fantasy Battles. I mean, this is just, this is just how war games are. You know, I just, I wasn't around, I wasn't going around playing 10 different games to figure out which one was for me. I was just like, this is a cool setting. These are the rules. I'm going to figure it out now. And there was no, there was no thought of, oh, well, maybe a different system with different rules would be more suitable for me. I was just like, this is, these are the rules. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a kid. You're just having fun with your friends anyway. So it's not like you're always looking for something better. (laughs) And I think there are a lot more choices now than there were before. All right. So, you know, we, we gave a couple different things that people might get into fantasy for, whether it's the lore or the crunchiness. Um, we didn't talk about the models, but GW models are really, you know, some of the best around. So that's another reason people get into them is because painting them is amazing uh, and a great experience. Uh, but what about for people, um, Alfarius on the Discord asks, how do you stay invested in periods when you can't hobby or play? So this would be someone who really likes the setting, wants to play, but maybe doesn't have the money to buy models yet, or doesn't live near anyone that can play or something like that. What do you, what do you say to that person? Has anyone had that experience before? I mean, I think it's very natural that people go through their life and have periods where, you know, they can't play really, but it, I mean, I think for a lot of us, the hobby is such a important thing that it's just kind of something that's always in the fabric of our life and something we, we come back to. And of course there are people who, you know, uh, go to college and they don't take their army and, you know, it sits at their parents' house and they never pick it back up. But then there are people who, um, you know, do pick it back up and, it can be tough, like in 2015 when uh, the game was discontinued and a lot of people moved to Kings of War or other systems. And, you know, you kind of, you really got to make an effort to kind of build your own community and, and dig it out of the dirt and reach out to old friends or s- see if you can find games. And But at the same time, uh, you know, it could be three or four years and then someone moves into your area that you can play regularly. And th- I think that's kind of a natural situation. And uh, for me, the passion of the game never died. I always loved the setting. I always loved reading the books, the lore, the army books, the back library products. Um, and even if I wasn't able to play games, I was still collecting models and building armies that I knew I would like to play in the future and just enjoyed being in the hobby. So I think it's very natural that, uh, and probably most of us have experienced it, where there's significant time where the the community in our area isn't you know exactly what we're looking for but hopefully that'll change uh, soon with the old world and things will pick up for a lot of people but we also
also live in very interesting times in terms of, sort of connectability and networking online. So you can be cut off from you know having a hobby table, having models, or having people to play with, and yet at the same time you can be on things like the Discord having conversations about Warhammer 24/7. You can be um, online, you know, downloading stuff, reading material about law, about rules. And you can also be on sort of like tabletop simulator online, playing the game without any need for the, you know, any sort of physical commitments here. So we, we look, compared to 10 years ago, we live at a time where you can actually be a completely equivalent of paperless and modelless hobbyist. And that that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I can say from my experience, I, so I, from 2016 to 2021, uh, moved and was doing my dissertation. And one of the things that I did to make sure I had time for my dissertation was I put all my Warhammer fantasy stuff in boxes, uh, and stored it. And, you know, I wasn't painting. I wasn't, uh, none of my friends were, were playing. They had all stopped in 2015. And, uh, so I had, you know, that was, that was what I gave up kind of to, to focus on school. And so I, yeah, I can definitely sympathize with what uh, Alfarius is talking about here, where, you know, you, you enjoy something and something's important in your life and you really uh, have fun with it. And then, you know, for whatever reason, you're not able to do it. Um, for me, it was just honestly, for that period, I focused on other stuff. Um, it wasn't until I got to the end of that, that I filled in that space of wanting to play and wanting to hobby with starting a discord. Uh, so I, I think that's actually how I filled in part of the desire to, to play and hobby is and talk with other people about it was I created the, the discord that uh, we sometimes talk about that you can go to. Um, so I started that and then uh, the last maybe six months or something of my dissertation, I was able to start playing. Um, but for me during that time, it was just thinking like, this is, this is a period of life that at the end of it, I will be able to play and paint and do that stuff. And then I, you know, ended up getting a job moving to the same place where, uh, where Mike and Brian are or are close and, and getting in games that way. So that worked out really well. But I think you just have to think of it as like, this is a period there are options, as Carrie said, that you can play paperless. Um, you can still list build in your head, read the read the books, start a podcast, listen to a podcast, uh, connect with people on forums or Discord. So I do. Think yeah, I think I kind of went through something similar to Ryan after AOS was released, and it wasn't like I was downing tools and rage quit the game. It was just like. Did you, you burn know, a dark elf army? Yeah, I didn't burn any <laughs> armies, thankfully. Um, but I just, you know, I kind of lost, uh, lost not interest in it, but nobody else was wanting to play. And I had moved on to a couple other games. I was playing a lot of, like, X-Wing at that time. Um, and then, you know, you move and you have a kid, and then suddenly you've got a bunch of downtime while your um, kid's sleeping, and you want to fill it with some hobby time and it's like oh i have all these <laughs> guys in a box that i can paint right um so it's it's 
it's not something that you need to like pressure yourself into doing you know all the time uh we're gonna spend 99 percent of our lives not doing this hobby uh but you gotta just enjoy those those one percent of the times that you do get to do it yeah i mean you can interact with multiple facets of the hobby as well whenever i rejoined the hobby i basically just painted for two years i i didn't really have any buddy to play with and i didn't i hadn't discovered the discord yet or met ryan and mike yet and i was just i i knew i liked the orcs and goblins and i remembered good times from my childhood so whenever i got to a point in my life where i could have the disposable income and uh i don't know why i thought that i could paint models with a new baby but i did <laughs> and so that's whenever i bought a bunch of the stuff and and so a couple months after that i was able to actually sit down and put real time into it and yeah for a year and a half two years i i just painted and i figured out that i liked painting a lot more than i thought that i would so you know even if you don't have somebody to play with uh perhaps painting is your thing and you might like to just start working on an army, start building an army, um, start painting through it. I, I know that really helped me, and I was able to start to share what I was painting with the with the Discord, and then everybody got to know each other, and then now I feel uh, incredibly fortunate to be able to get games in with Mike and Ryan. Um, so it's... Plus, it, Brian just kept cleaning house on all the monthly yeah. challenges. So. I was about to say, he, kept, he started <laughs> painting and was already better... Uh, I will <laughs> all of be us, yeah. like ten years. So uh, uh, that's great. Good job, Brian. Yeah, you are very kind. Thank you. I do think what what I, one thing I'm hearing is all of us seem to engage in one way or other with all the facets of of the hobby, right? Like we all like to play, paint, you know, lore it in different to different degrees, right? Like we play hobby lore junkie. To different degrees um and so that helps in those periods when you can't do one of the things the others are still available so i think oh yeah absolutely you know that that may be the best way to stay interested in those periods uh, and then of course you know i'm not a vi big video game player but there is you know warhammer video games and, and that might keep you all right well let's say someone does decide to get in spotswood uh, asks, what are some tips to help new players test out the hobby, but without over committing? So you don't want to be the one that walks into a games workshop and buys, you know, 2000 points of models that you never play with. So how do you make sure not to overcommit? Uh, and speaking of that question, I think Carrie is the best one to answer about not overcommitting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back in the day, the best thing would be to try something low level like Warhammer Skirmish, you know, 20 models aside, or Mordheim, which is also, you can still upgrade a, more, a few more a Mordheim Warbands to an army if it's for you. Um, back then, a lot of the skirmish rules were just back at the back of the 6th edition army book. This was quite an easy um, gateway drug to finding out, is this for you? Now, with 8th with eighth edition, it's a bit trickier. You're trying to sort of scale down rules designed for much larger battles to test out is this for me when in the back of your head there's always this feeling of 
well, this will be better when I've got more. And that's sort of the, that's sort of the dangerous slope that eighth, eighth edition had, where it didn't really support smaller games, which really was what you wanted to be encouraging. You know, you're sort of 13, 14 year olds that don't have that much income and don't have that much storage space to be looking yeah. at. My my son figured that out very early on. I started him with eight hundred point games, and we played like four of them. And he was like, "Well, can we can we play bigger?" Right? Like he's he was already ready to to jump up. Um, but I do I do think that speaks to like you can start off on eight hundred point games, uh, which is still a decent commitment because you need multiple units. But um, you can start there with eighth ed and. You know, that's what I did with him to figure out if he was ready, and he he was, and so, you know, we've moved up to a thousand, and we'll probably move up a little more soon. And then when we played with Mike, since I was on his team, you know, we we played two two thousand. So, I think starting off small is viable. You just can't start off super small with eighth. I know when we were growing up and didn't have a lot of disposable income, it, we proxied models all the time. So if yeah. you're if you're still not sure, you know, you like some of these models, you're not sure if you want to do the whole army, but you've already got some of the models, like use something else or cut up a a you know a piece of paper and draw lines on it and mark them off as your guys as you you know as you play. It's it's like you don't have to get too serious into something if especially yeah. if you're not sure you like the models that's the first thing you got to like the models in the army you play which i think we'll touch on later because there's some more questions about that um but don't go like buying two thousand points of an army that you're not sure you actually really like yeah i suppose we need need to define what we mean by overcommitting. so we're sort of talking about overcommitting in terms of finances to models but there's a, there's a, think about the other costs involved and then move on to other aspects of overcommitting. So you, you bought the models. You bought your 2,000 points worth of models. Now you need to buy paints for them. And if you think about the number of different paints you use on one model, that is a huge commitment in itself. So yeah. again, we've, we've, got, we've got the grey plastic on the table. Okay, this will feel better if I paint it. Right, so I've now committed to a full range of paints and the time to paint it, and the basic materials, and okay, well, now it, it's still not feeling right. Now it will feel better if I have the train. So we've got another another commitment. And so it's sort of, at what point do you say, actually, you've gone a bit too far without deciding if you like this yet? So the, the other thing would be, you know, the, the books, the materials... At what point does it become self-perpetuating? Your enthusiasm for it is dry is what's driving you, not the desire to see what's around the corner and does this get better? I think we've definitely seen that with some users on the Discord too, because we have people that come in and they're they're super jazzed about something and asking tons of questions, and like they burn themselves out because they're like, mm. "Oh my god, what am I doing?" And then they just leave and we never hear from them again. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, oh man, I, I like. I want that person to like this, but I, I don't know if they know what they're getting into necessarily. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I've specifically seen some people come into the Discord that have 
a desire to play. Um, they may not have a big income, but they've decided that they want to invest in into the hobby. And they lament not being able to convince their friends or family to also invest in 2,500 yeah. points of Warhammer Fantasy models so that they can get a game in. And it's just, it's, it's just by the nature of it, I think it's a hard hobby to pull people into that aren't already showing an interest in it. Yeah. Are we a pyramid scheme? We are. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Well, are we are we the ostrich farm that no one ever can see and is just a bare patch of Texas? I, I got a really <laughs> great job and I want to talk to you about it. Um and I I'm gonna make a lot of money at, on it. Uh but I need to have a meeting at your house. <laughs> can you bring I'm, 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 Do you I'm have a four by six table? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, che- the the sort of cheat answer to this is, you know, h- how how do you test out the hobby without overcommitting? You have an obsessed friend that has every army, and you can just go and test them out at your leisure. I mean, I, I do think that's the best way to get in, right? Like, is either, you know, you have a set of friends that you can each slow build small armies together, or you have a friend that is like most of us here who's like oh <laughs> what army would you be interested in you can just use mine for a while um and and get in that way and that is where gaming groups will be advantageous and i do think with the old world coming out hopefully that will grow that that ability um but yeah if you don't have that just like proxy stuff paper stuff paint paint wise you don't need to go buy one of those big army or big paint sets that has every color. Like, pick two metals, you know, two metal colors, or whatever your metal color is, do a darker one and a lighter one, and a shade, you know, do a couple, you know, you don't need more than, like, 12. Get a brown. To 15, <laughs> yeah. to 15 paints for an army, for your first army, is fine. Like, that's that's way plenty, I think. Yeah, agree? you need a you need a flesh, you need a metal, you need a ground, and you need a cloth. And CP and then you need agrax. And then you need a wash. Oil. You you need null oil. Just get yeah. null oil. <laughs> right. But but if if you if we think about, you know, let's imagine they're doing games workshop paints just for the purpose of uh, being able to add this up. And we say they're doing 10 to 15 paints plus one brush. We're talking commit another commitment of fifty, sixty pounds. I suppose in dollars we're talking about seventy, eighty-ish. Yeah. So the, the the decision to paint everything is another step down. The actually I've dug myself into this hole. I've got to enjoy this now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there there's definitely cheaper ways to do it. Like you can do a skin color, a cloth color and a, a leather color and a metal color, so four paints, and then a dip, right? And just dip and be done. And that's oh, fine, oh, um, right? Like that can I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, the, the, the less commitment is that you, you buy it and you leave it unpainted for 20 years. Sure. I hear good, good, I hear good things about the savings on that option. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on what, what you value. But I think, like, this question seems to be someone that's like, I think the important thing is to take it step by step. You want to make sure you enjoy 
if, if painting is your thing, if that's why you're wanting to get into it, then don't buy a lot of stuff until you've figured out that, yes, I really do enjoy painting these models, right? Don't buy a bunch of models. Get the paints you want and a couple models. Paint those up to make sure you like it. If playing is what you want, get a bunch of models. Don't worry as much about the paint. Start playing. So I think that's part of it, too. It's like, what is it that you like and slow and slow grow the rest? Because you also might find out that you don't really like the rules, even though you like the law and you like the community. Right. You might just prefer to buy a character model, paint that, and another character model and have a display shelf. Exactly. I mean, the reality of the situation is that, you know, 99% of people who ever started when they were in middle school, you know, quit at some point. I mean, this world is littered with addicts of, you know, 100 or $200 worth of Warhammer products and parent, plenty of parents' homes. I mean, so. They need to sell those or give those away to Goodwill. I mean, you see the you see them on listed on eBay all the time. These you know things unprimed that are uh, half painted green and stuff. You know, it's just yeah. I mean, the reality is uh, people have some level of fleeting interest in it. They'll buy some paints. They'll buy a couple hundred dollars worth of miniatures, and then you know something else will grab their attention and they'll move on. The the, the hardcore people like me or the the rest of you guys on this podcast are I'm, you know very I'm rare. Sure about- I'm not so sure about Evan. Uh, I think he may have switched over to more time. I'm not so sure he's in on fantasy anymore. I've, I've been talking to replacements for him. So, <laughs> so obviously, when I grew up uh, in the early 2000s in 6th edition, I mean, I was 11, 12, 13 years old. You know, you would only get new models, you know, a couple times a year, Christmas, birthday type stuff. And so you played with what you had until you could figure out a way to, to get some more, yeah. you know, um, and that's, that's just how it was. And you didn't worry about, you know, getting to 2,500 points or, you know, whatever tournament standard was, you know, it doesn't, didn't matter. I mean, you were just having fun, having your book and having your models and playing whatever size game, you know, 500 points, a thousand points, whatever you could do. And then as you get older and you've got more disposable income, uh, you know, hopefully you're able to, to get up to the 2,500 point mark. I mean, in the grand scheme of hobbies and everything, you know, it's, it's not cheap, but it's also not necessarily, it's not, you know, the most, it's not necessarily the most expensive thing you ever done. I mean, you can get, you know, up to 2,500 points, maybe a thousand dollars, but over the, if you take that over the course of like six months a year, I mean, it's, it's not uh, necessarily that crazy i mean people have a lot more expensive things that they do so yeah uh, it's it's hard because some of us have been doing this for like 10 15 years and so i'll talk about having you know eight armies but i have eight armies because i've been collecting miniatures for 10 or 15 years it's not like i got eight armies in the course of a year yeah, so if you're spending 50, 50 bucks a month or maybe <laughs> even 100 bucks a month, I mean, uh, you know, in, income levels income levels vary, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not totally unsupportable. Uh, so, yeah, and then, of course, you have, uh, like we've mentioned before, t- uh, Tabletop Simulator is a whole other uh, access point where people can basically play for free and determine whether they want to pursue the, the hobby in its physical form and 
yeah. uh, spend the cash to do that. I've never played tabletop simulator because I've always been spoiled enough to, to grow up playing on the tabletop and I've had opponents uh, in my local area, but a lot of people do try out very much. I mean, the you can make any unit in any size that you want on the tabletop simulator and try out basically every conceivable uh, machination. So a lot of people do do that. And uh, you said doo doo, just do do that. Yeah, and uh, it's a little bit weird to me because I, you know, I've only ever been able to play with what I had, and you know that's just a totally different world. Uh, so being like, able to create whatever you want. Forty bestigors, if you wanted to, right? Or eighty bestigors, right? Not <laughs> bad. No, no, a hundred and twenty bestigors. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, Mike does occasionally threaten if I say that I'm going to play Wood Elves. He says, I can just go play on TTS. I don't have to play you, Ryan. <laughs> it's how he keeps me honest. Uh, all right. I think, we've, I think we've answered that question for Spotswood. Um, how do you pick a faction? What looks the coolest to you? Yep. Yeah. yeah don't pick something that you don't like the look of because that's what you do most of the time is look at them. <laughs> yeah. You're painting, you're staring at them. I'm, I'm a super so slow painter, so I'm staring at the models for many, many hours more than, more than probably other people are able to, to get done. But um, you're going to be staring at the models. You're going to be looking at the pictures on the, on the army book. Um, so you just need to have a, visual connection to what you're playing with otherwise i i don't know like in, in other games people you have the um, the meta chasers who yeah, don't will go out spend two thousand points on an army and then whenever they're bad they'll just ebay it and sell it i don't necessarily know that i understand that um yeah. you know view of the hobby but uh, if, if you're going to be in the hobby for a very long time just to enjoy all aspects of the hobby, just like what you buy. Like, think what you buy is cool, and you'll more than likely enjoy it. And if it's all a bit random, you can say it's Dogs of War. <laughs> there you go. Well, we said real factions, didn't I? Did I say real factions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be a real <laughs> I think most people are naturally drawn to a faction based on uh, initial inclinations of getting into a fantasy world, they're like, they generally have some idea of like, oh, I like orcs, or oh, I like dwarves, or oh, I like humans. People are generally familiar with those types of things. And so when they first come into Warhammer, they'll probably gravitate towards that. And they'll read the lore, and they'll get the big army book, and they'll read the lore about other factions, and things will appeal to them. And since I've been playing for about 20 years now, uh, you know, things come and go with regards to appeal. Like if you told me 15 years ago, I'd be interested in getting a Tomb Kings army. Well, when Tomb Kings first came out in like 2003 or whatever it was, you know, I had zero appeal uh, as a 12 year old to, to get Tomb Kings. But now that I'm sitting here, I'm 32. I'm just like, yeah, Tomb Kings are pretty cool. So like, things change over time your interests change your tastes kind of change and uh yeah i wouldn't rule anything out yeah 
it, it is just rule of cool. There are some suggestions. Like there are a couple of armies that I do think people think, oh, this is really cool. And then they play it and they realize either the play is just not fun for them or the play is not fun in general for others. We've talked about this a little bit that if you don't build wood elves right, it can be really not fun for your opponent. So that can be a problem. And we've talked about dwarves, that some of the way that dwarves want to play can be unfun for your opponent and for you if you like moving. Uh, so I do think that there's a couple of those where you might want to be a little bit careful about play style. But typically, if it's just like, oh, this this faction is bad, you know, uh, it's it's I've heard beastmen are bad. I don't want to play them. Just play them and if you're you know unless that's extremely important to you you know the the winning side um then hopefully you know you and your opponents will come to some sort of way of figuring out how you enjoy the game and and match each other's you know army list levels so um yeah there's a couple like that to be aware of but i think for the most part it is just like you like the lore you like the looks they seem like a fun thing to play do it I would say definitely for your first army, you want to pick something that you like the look of. And then I know I've picked subsequent armies based on them having a totally different style model range, even if I don't like it as much as the original one. Like my second army was Ogres, and my first army was Empire. And it was like, they're completely opposite spectrums, like a bunch of small human weak guys and giant huge Ogres, right? Right. Um different totally different play style um and then i've also chosen armies like the beastmen i got just because i thought oh it'd be really cool to have a beastman army to like have a as another army that i could play against the empire army like if someone wanted to come over for a game that's a good narrative battle um so there's there's different reasons that you could choose an army but i'd say for your first one you definitely definitely want to get something you like the look of and you are interested in in painting and don't do what i did which was i didn't play an army that i was interested in because a a friend was already playing it yeah it makes it hard like you're gonna have to do mirror matches Um, unless it's like a close call between two armies i would say just play the one you want like because i ended up regretting that and coming back to it three armies later Given the level of commitment involved, this has to be your choice. This can't be someone twists your arm into, oh no, get that because it'll complement what I've got. Yeah, it has to be. You and and we're talking a lot about the visuals. We have to be able to read the law around the army and empathise with them to some extent and connect with what they want to do. Or if that doesn't work, you need to be able to create your own lore in your head for your guys and this is what they're doing and i am committed i i you can commit to their way of thinking enough to play a game from their perspective and want them to win it right i think as you as you play as you, after you get past your first army and you start playing games on a regular basis or you start going to tournaments or stuff then you'll then you'll figure out what your next armies would be uh would be based on seeing how other armies play and seeing the appeal of uh, the, their gameplay and how they interact in, in the community and the Warhammer world and stuff. And so at, at first, you're not going to know really much about how armies 
quote unquote play, but after a little while, uh, you'll figure it out. And that's going to help guide you to, Hey, maybe I want to play orcs and goblins because everyone seems to really have a good time playing against them. And I want to, to be part of that. Yeah. And I think I teased that I would tell what my son was, how he chose his army, but like he read through all the army books cause I already had them. And, uh, he looked through those and we played a couple, you know, paper hammer ones and he played some with the armies I had and he ended up choosing an army I didn't have. And he was, you know, uh, really excited about it because he thought they were silly and funny. So he's going to play night goblins and, uh, he got his first night goblin mini and he's going to start painting it up. But, you know, it was mainly, he thinks they're funny looking, right? Like he likes squigs cause he likes you know, the, the teeth and he likes the idea of them being kind of silly. Um, and so that was, don't, don't read him the first couple of chapters of scar stick, please. Although he does like ask me to tell him the stories of the books I'm reading uh, <laughs> when we're running. So he has, he knows the story of scar stick to some degree. Okay. So we got picking a faction. Our last one in kind of general Warhammer is, um, once you've picked your faction and you're ready to start collecting, Spotswood asks this, do you think it's better to have a list in mind when you start collecting a faction so you can collect in a focused way? Or do you just collect what you like first and worry about lists later? I've done both. I've done it where I've worked. At, so when I started uh, Wood Elves, when I started Ogre Kingdoms, which were the last couple of mainstream factions I didn't have, I worked at a thousand point list and tried to work out how could I do that within a very limited budget. Um, not because I had a limited budget at that time, but because I thought it was a very fun thought exercise. And in the end, I ended up then feeling like I'd committed to doing this. And so that's how I got those two factions. Very planned, very planned out. Generally, however it's been more it's been more focused on the budgeting side of it because i like doing that very tale of four gamers the idea of you've got this amount to work with how can you fit the most flexibility and the most fun models into this constraint that you've set yourself um i've never sat down and worked out a two and a half thousand point list and thought right i'm going to build up to that in terms of purchasing I am doing that in terms of painting, but again, that's one of these, you're setting yourself constraints to make this fun for yourself and make this a challenge, as opposed to because this is a sensible thing to do. Who else? How do y'all do it? I don't worry. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't worry about making lists or thinking about stuff like that. I Generally, when I start a new army, I, I have an understanding from playing the game for a long time these are kind of the core elements of this army book and I'll start with them and then start uh, picking like rare units or special units, you know, kind of after I finish building out the, the core characters you're going to need, you're going to need a level four, you're going to need a BSB, you're going to need, you know, some fast cav, or you're going to need, you know, some core troops. And so I kind of just start with that and then, as things progress and I start to get ready to field an army because I really don't play at 2,500 points anymore. Uh, then I start to, then I start to worry more, more about how I'm going to finish off 
the army its last 500 to 750 points or whatever I don't. I guess I don't have a plan, but I feel like I usually buy worse things first, like worse competitive wise, because I feel like if I just go for the stuff that's I know is really good, I'm just going to get that stuff, and then the, <laughs> the collection will be kind of limited. Um, Wait a second. Whereas, like Evan, Evan, are you also someone who eats the food that they don't like first so that they can savor the food that they enjoy later? Is that you as well? Um. That's just I, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting question. I hadn't thought of that, but maybe I do. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I put a lot of thought into that, so evidently I'm, I'm <laughs> big, big into thinking about how I eat. All right, continue. <laughs> but I will say, I think as I've gotten further away from like my first army, which it, my first army is by far my largest, so like I can do that army in a bunch of different ways if I want to. But I feel like as I've gotten farther away, I do think more about like a theme rather than just like having some of everything because uh-huh. um, like right now I'm thinking about a wood elf army and like focusing it around that Orion that I just painted and doing like more like a wild hunt theme so I'm looking through the book like what are the units in that book that will fit that theme even if they're not great choices um, but also trying to make a legal army that I could field. Cause I don't think I'll play it all that often, but it would be cool to have a, a, uh, a themed list of that faction. We, you can only field that army like one season out of the year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel like there's two different styles to building and depending on what faction it is, I build it differently. Like sometimes I will say, this is the list I want to play with this faction. And I'm not really interested in playing other lists. And that's what I did, I guess, with the forest spirit. I have the other wood elf, but I played him very differently. So it's like, I wanted to build a forest spirit list. So I got the stuff that I wanted for forest spirits, you know, three tree men, this and that. And that's all I got. Whereas there's other times when I'm like, oh, I just like this faction and I like a bunch of stuff in it. And so I want the variety. So I think it depends too. You can do it either way, but usually your first one, you're picking something you love all of the stuff in and you end up getting all of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That second way you mentioned is kind of how I built my orcs and goblins. I just liked the faction as a whole. So I got everything that I could get my hands on orcs and goblins. And then I had to make some tweaks. Like I had to double up on big ends and i had to get a few more black orcs than i than i had originally thought but i mean in the end i liked everything that i was buying anyway and and i kind of just stumbled into stumbled into an army for it Uh, with my with my dark elves i kind of just started out looking at stuff that i really liked like i knew that i liked witch elves i liked the cauldron of blood i like executioners i like you know, Doomfire Warlocks, I like the Dark Shards, and then once I had those, I kind of sat down and thought, okay, how do I how do I build a list out of this? Yeah, what do and I then, what do I finish it off with? Yeah. How, how do I how do Blood I make this into that. an army that, you know, will actually function type of thing? <laughs> Segues really well into the next question actually. Yeah, it, it does. Uh yeah, I put those in order for for that reason. So this moves us into our, like, how do you list build and how do you play the game? So it's less general Warhammer philosophy, a little bit more about list building, but it does flow from what we just asked. Are you a list filler 
And this is someone who builds a core army, uh, depending on taste, uh, or dep- builds the core of the army, and then adds, depending on taste, or you a list pruner who just builds an army with all the stuff they want and then has to cut the weaker stuff out or the stuff that they don't want. So which one do you do when you're building an army list? I've done both, but mostly pruner. Um, I do all my army lists on pen and paper, doing all the maths in my head. So what I'll end up doing is looking at the shelf, right, I want to have that, I want to have that, that, that'd be a good option, that'd be a good option. And then I'll start adding it up, and generally I'll be about 200-odd points over. And so it's then a case of someone's going to lose some models, or some, and some options are going to have to come off. You're a monster, Carrie. I am a list filler. Uh, I I'm like, get my core to six twenty five, and then, you know, build up. And you know, obviously, you might end up going over a little bit. But like, I generally have an idea of these are the things that I'm I'm gonna put in, and I go in order of seniority of what I definitely want. Uh, so I'm I'm a list filler. I'd agree with Ryan because I usually go into list building with a like a core strategy that I'm trying to build around in mind. So you build the the core of that army to support that, and then you think, what are the things that are going to support that strategy? So I I think I've probably done list pruning before, but I it's not my most common. I would agree though that list pruning is more common when you are using like pen and paper because it's easier to go over there. Right, because you're you're not adding it up all at once as you do it. Whereas with Battle Scribe or whatever, you're you're seeing the points go on. So I do think that doing it pen and paper does lend towards list pruning. The text gets read in Army Builder if you go over. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't like that. Scary. Okay. Well, what about when you do a character? When do you add? magic items. By the way, both of these questions come from Cornello. When do you add the magic items? Do you like add the character, then build the rest of the list and then add magic items if you have room? What do you do there? Generally, no. The characters are generally first uh, when I'm writing a list and I generally kit them out immediately. But then by the end, it's almost always uh, a search for points and kind of Rejiggering their magic item setup is kind of one of the easier ways to find points. So um, usually I start with it, and then I usually come back to it at the end. Mike, I'm imagining the uh, the Anakin Padme meme, and you're like, characters are first, and then Padme's saying, after core. After core, right? <laughs> I like I, I can't imagine it. for me it's core first so uh that's anyway just thinking about I'm that. sure for some people it's you add the wizard and then you add the dispel scroll and <laughs> then you add the rest of the army yeah <laughs> in, in in universe can you imagine sort of turning up at the muster with your um like your great grandfather's magic sword of ogre beheading and you're told by the general, no, nope, no, nope, you're going to have to leave that in the box. We want three more pikemen. <laughs> yeah. Can't afford that right now. Sorry. Funny. Uh, all right. Anyone else have a, have a way they do that? 
No, I, I I do agree. It's it's very common for me to build a character, finish the list, be over, and then be like, uh, I I guess he doesn't need the enchanted shield. He just gets a regular, you know, regular <laughs> two point shield. Yeah, shave shave a uh, you know three points off or something like that. I mentally put the magic items on so like if a character is 100 points and it's a hero level like in my mind i'll say okay that's 150 points and then at the end i'll look and be like okay do i actually want to add 50 points <laughs> magic items or something else this is really reminding me of list building back in sixth where if you turned up with no magic items i do mean no magic items your army could more or less could close to double in size, and so that could really take an opponent completely by surprise. Because it's hang on, I thought we were playing a two thousand point game. Well, we are, but you've spent max magic items points on every single character, whereas I haven't. So I had this extra six hundred points to just swarm you. Right. It wasn't necessarily competitive, but it was hilarious in that sort of initial setup phase. All right, we've got talk about Mordheim and talk about Sixth Edition. So I'm I'm taking names here. <laughs> no, you, uh, that that is that is true. Uh, it does the magic items have uh, less of a, a, I guess, point effect on the size of the army in eighth than they do in in sixth. Um. All right, the next question is from Max Duratz, and it's, uh, what do you say for someone who has limited experience of the game? How can they build the list for fun? Um, how can they make it like a cinematic game? Do you build both lists, you know, yours and your opponents together? How do you best do that? I mean, we're kind of doing that right now, right? Where we're planning out our Skarsnik Belagar and Queek Headtaker three-way, where we're trying to figure out good point totals for a game like that and how we're going to score, if we're going to have the characters or if we're, we're just going to say they're in the back lines uh, and this is just a skirmish going on in the greater battle of things or something like that. Um, I think it was, I, I suggested we'll build a We'll each build 1,500-point armies and then just be given our respective heroes for free. Um, yeah. But there's there's various options for building lists for fun or for cinematic games. Um, it, it You really just have to be open with your opponent on your desires and what they're looking to also get out of the game and just everybody agree on what what's fun and what's cinematic and what you're trying to accomplish. If, you, if you've got limited experience in the game and you've got an opponent who you can sit and have these sort of conversations with, great. Um, and one thing to be recommended is if you sit down and build the list together, do try swapping armies for the rematch because there'll be things that, you, there'll be things that you'll learn, but also it discourages the sort of thinking of well, I'm going to build this to have a, a trick, or I'm going to build this to have a particular strategy that is ultra-competitive that no one else sees. Yeah. It is really hard not to do that when you're designing lists with your opponent, because you can, you're can you discussing what they're thinking, strategy-wise or planning-wise, 
and you start sort of filling in the gaps on your side of, well, if I just add that, then that'll counter that. Um, the other way of doing it is if both of, is if in these discussions you come up with a couple of lists each and then randomize which one to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you have someone who's experienced um, and you know generally likes even play, uh, then it's okay for that person to like advise someone as they're building their list. Um, typically, I think it's wise for that person to build their list first and then advise the other person on maybe, you know, how to build their list um, within the constructs of also like what that other person wants to play to enjoy. So if my son says he wants to play, you know, this unit and that unit, um, and then we'll build around it, and we'll talk about the concepts of the game. Okay, you have shooting, you don't have magic, or you, you're going to be strong in you know, this phase, but not in, in that phase. So that can be a good learning experience. Um, if neither of you have experience, then the learning experience is usually after the game talking about what worked well um, and not. And I agree, Carrie has good advice there that that option of, of switching lists can be good for making sure everyone's keeping things even and honest. So with your example, you being a good person, you could help your son design his list, and then you could design your list as the opposite of a hard counter. Exactly. So that, oh, you, you want to go max out on spider riders. Okay, I'm going to put all these vulnerable war machines that you can outflank on my list then. Right, right. Um, yeah, recently we played, and he had an army list that didn't have a lot of units, um, and so... You know, I was playing Vampire Counts, and I was like, well, I'm not going to take stuff with fly. I'm not going to fly behind his units. I'm not going to... Um, yeah, so I, I built to match his level and match his units where it's not going to be a hard counter, as you said. I, I would prefer, as a, relative, as a pretty experienced player, to be playing with a much weaker list than my opponent, so I feel I can play to the best of my ability, or close to the best of my ability, rather than have two matched armies and feel I have to play down, you know, play, play down or, and point out my own mistakes more than I normally do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Any other thoughts? Okay. Well, we've, we've come to our, uh, we've talked kind of about general Warhammer questions. We've talked about some of our list building uh, thoughts we have, uh, we'll, we'll not play all of the games that we had for today, but um, games slash just kind of interesting thing. Uh, I, I asked all the, uh, the other guys to answer some questions, and we're going to, I don't know what you'd call this, like the, is it the newlywed game or something like that? We're going we're gonna to try to figure out uh, who each person is. So... Uh, why don't we start with this? Um, let's see if we can guess uh, different favorite factions, but we're guessing we're not guessing what everyone's favorite faction. Well, actually, we are. We're gonna we're gonna guess what everyone's favorite faction is. So, uh, so guys, we've got uh, we've got Mike here. We know some of the armies he has. What would what do y'all think is Mike's favorite 
faction, if you were to guess this? Ooh. Get, get your answer before you say it, uh, and then I'll call on you. But also, I don't want pauses, so I'm going to call on you now. Uh, Brian, what do you think Mike's favorite faction is? What do I think Mike's favorite faction is? I think, ooh, it's tough between Bretonia and Dark Elves. I'm going to say Bretonia. Okay. My, uh, Brian said Bretonia. Evan, what are you, you going to have for him? It's definitely the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys, even though they're not blue, they're not painted blue. <laughs> That's all right. All right. And Carrie, what do you think? I'm going to guess Orcs and Goblins to be different. Okay. He, he has Night Goblins, so it's going to be main. It's just going to be his Night Gobbos. I've been painting Orcs. Everyone knows that. Uh, he, oh, that's right. He has, he has been painting Orcs. I'm sorry. You're right. Right. So, um, okay. Well, this, is, this round is going to go to, to Brian. Uh, because hey. my, Mike's favorite is the Bretonians. What is it that you like most about the Bretonians, Mike? Yeah, I just love the uh, colorful Bretonian knight army. I just think it looks uh, amazing. The 5th edition uh, Bretonian knights all arrayed on the tabletop. I don't think anything tops it for me. And I probably should have done this together, done the the favorite and least favorite. So we'll go what, what, Go ahead and real quick, uh, Evan, what do you think his least favorite is? What army would he not <laughs> top? I know. It's clearly high elves. Ooh, clearly. Clearly, says Evan, very confident. Uh, Carrie, what do you think? Chaos Dwarves. Chaos I don't think he'd dwarves. ever buy Chaos Dwarves. Okay, and Brian, what do you think? You know, I was really confident with the High Elves, but I'm thinking Wood Elves, maybe? Okay, I'm just because say... he's a polite soul. Man, I'm going to say... I'll, I'll make it different. I'll say Wood Elves. Okay, Wood Elves. Mike, what, what's your answer? I put down demons. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. They're 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 one of those armies that doesn't play like everybody else and doesn't play by the same rules. And uh, when I was growing up, they didn't have their own army book, and ever since they have had their own army book, they've been oppressive. Uh, in seventh edition, they were notoriously oppressive, and in eighth edition, the demon players will tell you that they're not that bad. But I think I think they're pretty bad. The, the universal five plus ward save and the chariot cannon. It's just, yeah, I hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's uh, Brian's turn to be in the hot seat. And uh, Carrie, you can start us off. Carrie, what do you think is Brian's favorite faction? Brian's a little easier, I think. What's his favorite and what's his least favorite? Got to do both. This is actually difficult for me because, you know, I don't see your collections other than what you post. So. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go night I'm gonna go night goblins as favorite for you just because I remember the uh, you ones in the war I really love those um, least favorite I'm basically sort of throwing throwing uh, darts at a board blind so I'm gonna say dwarves okay yeah I do think that least favorite is the harder one because you know what people paint but you don't know what they don't want to paint okay i feel i feel like these aren't that hard for me because i'm a very opinionated and like i state it like at least twice a week the armies that i hate and the armies that i like so yeah it really wasn't it wasn't really a narrow kind of yeah, uh, situation there for me i'd have gone with wood elves or or demons of chaos for you from our conversation so the rest of you less opinionated people some would say cowardly people uh it's harder <laughs> 
it's harder to uh, really get in your mind. You know, you're not willing to put yourself out there. Which all right, all right. Well, well, then you go ahead. Tell us what Brian's uh, favorite and least favorites are. Try. <laughs> well, Brian had. Brian has two armies. Brian has uh, orcs and goblins and dark elves. I assume his favorite is orcs and goblins because that's what he picked, even though he started in fifth with what elves he likes them. I'm pretty sure he likes dwarves. Uh, so his least favorite army, that only leaves about, I don't know, uh, 11 armies to pick to guess from. Uh, uh, he also hates demons of chaos. <laughs> All right. And... Uh... Was it Evan? You haven't gone yet. What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm gonna say he's a secret Bretonian lover. He's just <laughs> he's just getting up the gumption to start collecting. All right, um, he's a horsey boy. Yep. <laughs> and uh, his least favorite is Tomb Kings. Hateful. All right, Brian. What what what's your favorite? I'm sure this will come to a shock to everybody, but my favorite is the Orcs and Goblins. Uh, Carrie, I actually have gone from not really liking Night Goblins to I have in my Battle Scribe uh, 3,000 points worth of Night Goblins that I want to <laughs> purchase and own and paint. Um, nice. But yeah, Orcs and Goblins is my favorite, and my least favorite is actually Chaos Dwarfs. Oh, I was close. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah you guessed Dwarfs. Or did you guess dwarf? No, you dressed demons. I, Demon. I guess dwarves. So y'all are about yeah. halfway there. You the wrong kind. Put yours together. It's the same. Yeah. Uh, do I get a point for guessing uh, orcs and goblins, right? No, I'm going to give a point to game? Evan for guessing Bretonians. You and Carrie don't get a point for getting it right. Uh, because <laughs> it, the game is made up and the points don't matter. I mean, he clearly is golf? orcs and goblins. The this, I was go I was going for a, a left field answer. This is whose line is it anyway? Um, all right, we're get, we we didn't do everybody's, but uh, we will move to uh, a different game uh, that I think should be uh, a little bit of fun for everyone. Um, I am going to to read to you who someone thought was someone else's special character so if if i was a special character who would i be if carrie was a special character uh who would he be and i'm going to tell you uh, a special character and we all have to guess who we think that person is so like for example i'm going to tell you that someone said another person was uh well, Mike, you, you said that someone was Leonardo de, and I don't even know how to say his name, Miragliano. So Mike said someone is Leonardo de Mar Maragliano. Maragliano. Yeah, there we go. Who did he say was Leonardo? I think that's going to be Carrie, because I think Leonardo... If I remember him in the lore correctly, he's a an inventor and a tinker, and I think uh, I think Carrie and your uh, ability to uh, come up with ideas for all these different armies and even models that aren't represented, you you build the models for that. I think that would be that would be my guess. 
It's a good shout, yeah. Good, good rational. I think you also. I think you'd also have a funny European accent. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you might be might be right there. Okay, so it seems like y'all all agreed. Uh, Mike, are they correct? No, I, I put it as Ryan. I think. Why, why did you say I was Leonardo? Uh, because you wrote that Tactica on Wood Elves, and I don't know. That seems. When I was reading the Dogs of War lore, it seemed like he was a planner and thinker and stuff like that. And Ryan's a professorial type, and it all seemed like it worked together. Okay, I can see it, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was going to spite me because you gave me someone from a faction that's not real. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real faction. It's got a a book. I was reading it earlier. It's good. Uh, Yeah, I suppose. Maybe we'll count. We'll give it a, we'll give it a flare or whatever it is. Um, all right, someone, let's see, uh, Brian said that someone was Druthu. Who did Brian say was Druthu? Druthu, Druthu. Yeah, I can never. Druthu, the yeah, the treatment, the treatment. It's you again, isn't it, Ryan? Why? Why do you think that? Would uh, Wood Elf player sense of sort of fatherly wisdom going on in the whole, you know, having to ringmaster all of us? I think it's because he's called the eldest of ancients. <laughs> uh, we don't need to talk about age here. I was thinking about Dirthu, uh for Ryan when I was looking through the special characters, but then it was talking about how angry Drew is these days. I was like, Ryan's really not, he's like the least angry person. Like if there's anyone who's angry here, it's me for sure, obviously, but I don't think Brian put me as Drew I can't imagine Drew in a hot tub. It's <laughs> a good point. It may not, may not be Mike. So, so what Evan, you said, who was it? Who do you think it is? Think? Oh, it's, it's you. It's, it's- you. And and Carrie, you said who is it? You. And my, uh, Mike, who do you think it is? I'll go Carrie. Okay, Brian, tell us who you had as Druthu. I actually had uh, Mike as Durthu, um because he prefers the company of the oldest trees, which are old metal <laughs> models, with little love for the newly arrived elves, the new plastic models. Oh, I love it. Oh, really? yeah. Very nice. And also, uh, not a big fan of elves generally. And True. Wood, yeah. doesn't like wood elves, so that fits as well. Durthu's never seen dark elves, and that's why they're, you know, they're up a... there on, on the scale of like. Yeah. I'm sure he'd love them. <laughs> okay. Um, Carrie uh, picked someone as. Uh, Kazrak. Who did Carrie pick as Kazrak? Do we have to remind ourselves who Kazrak is? Is that Kazrak One Eye? Yes. I know who Kazrak One Eye is. All right, come on. <laughs> you've listened to the, you've listened to the Beastman episode, Evan, haven't you? Yeah, I don't. Man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Okay, so what do we know about Kazrak? His big thing is... He has one eye. Well, right. <laughs> He's... 
Boris Toddbringer's rival. Ooh, I don't know. This is a tough one. I'm just going to say me because it's a beastman. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Evan's got his in. What do you all think? Maybe, maybe Ryan because of defecation. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> No, I have no I idea. Know what I've um, done to you, Brian, that you associate me with defecating. <laughs> your, your guys' uh, games must just get wild. Huh? <laughs> I do like I do like that Evan brought up Boris Toddbringer because maybe maybe Ryan is the Kazark One Eye to Mike's Boris Toddbringer. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Who who is who is Kazrak? Mike out. Mike's done with this. He wants nothing to do with this. Um. All right. Well, Evan or Carrie, tell right. us who. Well, why don't you just tell us who it is? Who Who is Kazra? <laughs> uh, it was Evan. Oh. Because oh, yeah. once the swearing's cut out, he just has bleating sounds, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. What up? And so, if I, and then if I was picking uh, Beastmen special characters for Evan to be, it was well, which is the the one that's least of an insult. <laughs> oh, thank you, appreciate that. Oh, I picked uh, I picked Gorthor for Evan because like his greatest accomplishment was sacking uh, Hawkland. I was like, oh, that seems like that makes sense. <laughs> that's, <laughs> why, hey, that's why that's why I built that Beastmen army so I could uh, beat up on my own Empire army. <laughs> All right, uh, Evan. Let's see, Evan picked. Uh, Corhill for someone. Who did Evan pick as Corhill? Who's Corhill? <laughs> White Lion special character. Oh, I don't know. not stubborn, me. Stubborn, killing blow, plus two strength with all his strikes first. Gonna go Mike. Why are you going Mike? Stubborn killing blow always strikes first. <laughs> I'm a, I'm beautiful like an elf. That's probably what Long, I'm. flowing hair. We've seen this. Right. Loves to wear furs. <laughs> In 115 degree Texas weather. I mean, if if you look at the size of the axe on Core Hill, it's not a hundred miles away from the size of your trophy. Oh yeah, you got that trophy there. Yeah. Uh, Brian, who do you think is Core Hill? You know, Carrie's making a really strong argument for it to be Mike. Um, <laughs> I'm going to piggyback on that. Okay. Evan? It's, uh, yeah, it's Mike, 100%. Oh, yeah. One, yeah. one because he's natively stubborn. <laughs> and two, it's an elf, so it was just, I just knew it would, it would uh, annoy him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, it doesn't annoy me. Elves are beautiful, man. I'm stoked to be in. I'm stoked to be lumped in with those beautiful creatures. And now you have to you have to play the game the way they play. Well, you already do. You just move backwards, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, last one will be. I said that someone was uh, techless. Who did I say was techless? Oh, that's got to be Carrie because techless knows everything. Yeah, Texas is way smart. Carrie's way smart, so yeah, obviously it's like a lore. Okay, right? clear. Clearly, I was the uh, obvious. I, 
uh, in who I, 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 but yes, it was. Uh, it, I will say that across the board, uh, Mike, who did you say was Carrie? Who did I say was Carrie? Uh, I don't know. Did you yeah, have it in front of you? Lord Mazda Mundi. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I went with like the salon that knew everything or what I thought. And knew Brian, everything. who did you go with? I said Carrie was Cairo's fate weaver uh, because he has infallible knowledge of the past and future of Warhammer, but no knowledge of what to paint in the present. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Evan, who did you pick? Who did you say? Uh, along that same theme, I said uh, carries the blue scribes because he's cursed to seek out arcane knowledge for eternity. He'll never, never finish his journey. There you go. So we all picked knowledge for Carrie uh, to some degree. Um, I'd like, to, I'd like to point out that Ryan, you're the only one that picks a character that's responsible for the end times, which, <laughs> given I keep trying to make us review end times stuff in the future feels very apt <laughs> well uh, I, I i picked techless because he shared his knowledge with mankind uh so i thought mm. that was apt as you said uh, and that's why because you share your knowledge with uh with us even though we're not mankind we are clearly beastmen but uh yeah so um all right, so we'll do we'll do one other thing if if y'all are good with it. We will uh we will talk about um who's gonna fall to uh the gods. Um we had uh vo voting. Let's see who has the most. We're gonna guess who has the most votes. Who do y'all think had the most votes as corn? Who is corn? Who's gonna? Which one of the five of us is gonna fall to corn? Brian, Mike, <laughs> what? Mike, uh, why do you think I'm gonna Brian. fall to corn? And you didn't even say I was gonna fall to corn, but you think I'm gonna have the most? I said oh, Ryan. Ryan. Okay, I thought you said Ryan. It's not all about you, Ryan. You just hear Ryan whenever you just hear Ryan whenever anybody <laughs> says Brian. You just got man. I know Ryan. who's gonna fall to Slanesh, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, go ahead I'm going to say who has the most I'm going to say Ryan I did like your answer for why you think it was me why, why did you think I am going to fall to corn uh, after one too many kugel waitings you're going to go crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm going to I'm going to ask I'm going to welcome someone and they're not going to respond or they're going to go to a D&D &D game and then it's going to be over. He's going to lose it and just rage delete this whole server. Hey, that you shouldn't joke about that. The number of times that I've seen that delete button. <laughs> not really. Um, all right. The, the person who received the most, it was actually a tie between Mike and Brian. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Carrie said that, uh, what, why did you say, Say Mike, Gary. Because tournament victories will do that to you. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> Wasn't aware of the Missouri result at this point. At the points I wrote this. Yeah, you, you win those tournaments. You start, uh, you know, that Marshall Bauer. Okay, uh, who's gonna who's gonna fall to Nurgle? 
ended up putting Mike. Yeah. What? <laughs> Mike is offended. There's like the only assumption I can make with Nurgle is like just saying someone's gross. <laughs> I mean, is there is or slovenly or something? Oh, like, there's no. There's like no positive connotation he's, that you could possibly. He's, he's played a game against you in a hot, steamy. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I said that. Uh, I said that with eighty pestigors, you're bound to get the favor of Nurgle. Mm. Oh, okay, fair. I mean, See, he had a good uh, reason, Mike. It was a good reason. Yeah. I'd, I'd counter with Ryan on the basis that. Just law of averages based on children's ages. He's gonna. He's more likely to be a grandfather before the rest of us, and therefore gets half the title grandfather Nurgle. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Not insulting. There you go. Y'all, you're very polite. I will say that three of us put me as Nurgle. So there you go, Mike. Uh, you are not the slovenly one. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, we now know what Brian thinks of you. <laughs> I didn't put I didn't put anyone as Nurgle. I was way too nice to do that. No, actually, I think I put Evan as Nurgle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like Iowa, gross, corn, <laughs> corn sweat. <laughs> I put accurate, myself because I was eating bacon as I. So I was like, yeah, this is. I'm gonna get all chubby on this. Oh, corn sweat that's, is real, that's guys. Slanesh. That's Slanesh, Ryan. Oh, yeah. I could, I don't know, I could roll around in some bacon and just like, mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to change mine to Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so Slanesh, who, who is, who's going to fall to Slanesh? I didn't put anyone for that. It was just too weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to avoid that whole situation. It's just excess. It's, it's, just excess. That's all it means. All right. There's a lot of connotations there that I'm uncomfortable with. So well, I feel like, well, actually, we all should have gone. We all should have gone with the warm lobster because of the the crab hands. Oh yeah. Oh, gone. that's a good idea. Yeah. But we did. Yeah. So who did y'all go with? I I, I said Mike because it was going to be it was going to make him uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> did you know him well enough to make him uncomfortable? <laughs> Good call. Good call. Well, well played. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, Mike, the more you try and deny something, the more the rumors are abound. Okay. I'm the most wholesome member of the Discord. All right. In your <laughs> hot tub over there. The rest of you people. Uh, all right. Um, let's see. I picked, I couldn't decide between uh, Evan and Brian because. I think both of y'all have sold y'all's soul to for your for your painting there. Uh, Brian's won those contests. Evan tends to win the the single model contests quite a bit, um, or small unit contests. I think uh, both of y'all have won a lot of contests in that way. So, so maybe one of y'all has uh, gone excess on the painting. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> See, I was nice. Yeah, that was wholesome. Yeah. All right, uh, Brian. Who do you say? I put uh, for Slanesh, I put Carrie uh, because uh, having as many armies as he has is definitely the dream, but <laughs> that would definitely draw the gaze of the God of Excess. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Quite fair. fair. Quite appropriate. <laughs> uh, and Carrie, I didn't have one written down for us. Did you have one? I didn't know. Okay. I, it's, I, I've, I've, not, I've not met any of you face to face. It felt a little bit. <laughs> 
You're with beyond Mike the pale to start making assumptions. You're with Mike on it. All right. Carrie's wholesome. All right. Well, who did, <laughs> who did we go with for Zinch? I think we all know. <laughs> well, we did have one dissenter. We had we had three agree and then one dissent. So who what do you were the think agrees? Was, Carrie? I mean, who do you think it was? I don't think... Give... Oh, it's Carrie. Yeah, give it, giving it away there. Okay, why is it Carrie? Uh, well, I, my thought was that how long can someone go to resist the temptation to just make stuff up about Warhammer and tell us that it's fact? <laughs> <laughs> and we will never know the difference because none of us are going to look it up or have read it. We're going to be like, Carrie said, so it must be true. Right, yeah. He could just be messing with us. Uh, indeed. So he's going to teach us about of- Grimgore's goblin buddy named Flimfloor. <laughs> Still surprises me. No one on the Discord has said, "Hey, you got all that, all of that stuff wrong in the Skaven one because you mix up your editions." <laughs> so you have been doing this, yeah, exactly. Uh, but Brian, you did go with someone different. Who'd you go with? I said uh, for Zinch, it's Evan because this is officially a Mordheim server now. It's changed to a Mordheim server. <laughs> betrayal. Yes, Zinch is all about betrayal, and so is Evan. It's always, been, it's always it's always been a Mordheim server. Just Zinch is the god of gaslighting. All right. <laughs> well, I, I said that we weren't going to play all the games, but that's basically all the games that we have. So uh, I do appreciate y'all. Um, for those of y'all listening, thank you very much for listening to this uh, ambush episode. Uh, any other thoughts before we go, guys? Nope. Evan. That was fun, guys. You, you missed your quota yeah. on uh, cursing, so do we need to, to bray anything out or bleat anything out uh, from you? We could just... Uh, are you wanting me to? Is that? <laughs> no, are you trying no, to entice me? You're tempting me? Mike said we're going <laughs> to keep it wholesome, so... All right. <laughs> no, um, I'll, or, leave it, or, I'll leave them for the next time. Okay. Or, or Ryan could go back and just add a load of bleating sounds when you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> And then the, the the listeners wouldn't have any reason to doubt those bleating sounds until they get to this point and realize it was a conspiracy. See, he is making stuff up and lying about it. It's just not about the working for more. Now it's about the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, we thank you for listening. Uh, this is an, an ambush, so it wasn't your regularly, <laughs> regularly scheduled uh, <laughs> episode of, of uh, the Herdstone. Um Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope you had fun, and we hope you'll talk to us sometime on the Discord or otherwise. Have a good one. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. We hope that next month you'll gather around the Hearthstone with us again. <laughs>